at Romans chapter 9, please. Romans chapter 9. We're going to start reading in verse 30, and to the end of the chapter. Romans 9, verse 30. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whoso believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you today for this, your word. We thank you, Father, for the privilege we have as believers to take some time out of our busy schedules to be able to, <coughs> to, be able to come uh, to your word and study your word together. We thank you, Father God, that this is your precious book. This is the living word of God, Father God, in the sense that it's uh, ever new, ever alive, Father God, in the sense that, uh, Lord, it never wears out. We thank you, Father, that we have before us the word of God that speaks of Christ, the true and living word. And Father, we pray today as we look in your word that you would give us wisdom and understanding, give us guidance and help, and just enable me, Father God, to be able to present your word clearly today for your glory. Bless our time now, we pray in your word, for this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. With the ending of verse 29 of Romans chapter 9, Paul has finished, for the time being, with the subject of God's choosing and God's sovereignty. And now in chapter 9, verse 30, through chapter 10, verse 21, he changes his theme from God's choosing God's sovereignty to man's responsibility. Now, as we've said, Romans chapter 9 through 11 deal with God's rejection of Israel and that God rejected Israel because Israel rejected him, that God chose the Gentiles because they chose him. And now in Romans chapter 9, verses 30 to 33, where we are today, Paul summarizes the reason for God's rejection of Israel. And then in chapter 10, he gives to us the details of that rejection. So he basically gives to us a summary outline of what he's going to talk about in chapter 10, here at the end of chapter 9. And Paul here shows to you and I what our responsibility is, what mankind's responsibility is regarding God's grace regarding the righteousness of God. In order for us to be declared righteous before a holy God, what is required of us? What does God require of sinful man to be, required, to be declared righteous, to be saved, to accept the grace of God? And he does this by explaining to you and I the reason why he rejected Israel. In order to highlight what's required for salvation, he shows us what Israel did wrong. And he does this firstly by giving to us the reason for Israel's rejection broadly stated in verses 30 to 33. And then secondly, the reason for Israel's rejection detailed 
in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. And today, we're simply going to look at the reason for Israel's rejection broadly stated here in verses 30 to 32. And we'll do this firstly by looking at the question stated. Verses 30 and 31 pose the question. And the question is this, what shall we say then? So here's our question Paul's going to ask. That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness have not attained to the law of righteousness. The question that would fill every Jewish mind as they are reading the book of Romans, reading what the Apostle has said leading up to this chapter, that the thing that would fill every Jewish mind was this, why should the Gentiles attain righteousness without seeking it? Okay, the Gentiles weren't looking for God, and yet they have, many of them have been declared righteous. While at the same time the Jews who did not attain, you know, while at the same time the Jews did not attain righteousness, even though they pursued it, Honestly, okay, that's what he says, verse, 20, uh, verse 30, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the rights of the law, righteousness which is of faith. They obtain righteousness. They've been declared righteous by God. Even though they didn't seek it, they've been declared righteous. Verse 31, Israel, on the other hand, which followed, not after, the, followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained the law of righteousness. They pursued it. They wanted to be declared righteous but they'd not attained it. Why? It seems unfair. One sought righteousness and failed. The other did not seek righteousness, yet was declared righteous. They obtained righteousness. What did the Jews do to miss out? Where did Israel go wrong? What was the difference between the Jew and the Gentile? Why did unlikely Gentiles find righteousness when, un, when, uh, when likely Jews did not? Okay? How is it that the unlikely Gentiles obtained righteousness, but the Jews did not? Well, the answer is given for us in verses 30 and 32. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, and a rock of offense, and whoso believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Here in verses 32 and 33, we're given four reasons why Israel was rejected, or why Israel did not obtain righteousness, even though they sought it, why they did not get it. And why Israel, while the Gentiles who didn't seek it, did get it? What's the difference? Well, here's the answer in these four reasons. First of all, because they sought it, or they sought righteousness not by faith, verse 32. Because they sought it not by faith. They did not attain righteousness because they went about it the wrong way. They wanted righteousness but they sought it not according to God's plan. Look at the contrast with the Gentiles in verse 30. It says that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. The difference is that they sought righteousness, the Gentiles sought righteousness by faith. 
the contrast between the Jew and the Gentile. The Gentiles sort of by faith, but according to verse 31, Israel didn't find it. They've not found the righteous, they did not obtain the righteous of the law. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith. Here's the difference. The Gentiles sought righteousness by faith. The Jews didn't seek it by faith. The reason why the Jew wasn't saved, even though they wanted to be declared righteous, is because they went about it the wrong way. The Gentiles obtained righteousness, the righteousness of the law, the righteousness that brings about salvation, because they obtained it by faith. The Gentiles did not work for righteousness. And that's why they attained it. The word followed in verse 30. That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness. The word followed means to pursue. It means to run swiftly after something or earnestly seek a goal. The truth is that most people are not earnestly seeking a right relationship with God. That's the point there. The Gentiles which followed not, they did not earnestly pursue after righteousness. They weren't running towards righteousness. In fact, instead of running towards righteousness, they were pursuing sin. Isn't that Romans chapter 1? Let's go back there, please. Romans chapter 1. And verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of angry, Envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. <laughs> For the most part... The Gentiles were not pursuing after righteousness. They were pursuing after unrighteousness. They were living ungodly lives, living sinful lives, living in disobedience to God. They were not pursuing after God. And yet according to Romans chapter 9 and verse 30, some of these Gentiles that were not pursuing after God but were pursuing after unrighteousness, some of these Gentiles have obtained righteousness even though they weren't following after it. So how do they attain it? Well, the truth is that those Gentiles who had been saved knew that their behavior would never qualify them for righteousness. They knew they were sinners. They knew that, that, that pursuing after righteousness, trying to live a godly life, trying to live... Lives that brought glory to God was not a possibility for them as Gentiles. They could not follow after righteousness, even if they earnestly tried to. They knew they were sinners. They knew that they were lost and dying before, a whole, uh, uh, before God. And the only way for them to be declared righteous was by faith. Isn't that what verse 30 says? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. They attained, they received God's righteousness. They were declared righteous, not because they pursued after it, but because they knew they could not attain it of themselves. 
and by faith he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They received something they weren't even looking for, much less striving for, because they believed, they received it by faith. You see, righteousness is a gift of God. It's not a reward for work, never has been. And this is what the Jew didn't understand. Israel did not understand that righteousness was not a reward for work. Righteousness was a gift of God. It was given by God as a gift of grace through faith. Go back to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what does saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is not, uh, him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man, under whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. You see, we're blessed if we've received the imputed righteousness of God, and that imputed righteousness is not with works, according to verse 6, but that imputed righteousness is given to you and I by faith, according to verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. That's what the Gentiles understood. That's what the Jews didn't understand. That's what Israel didn't comprehend. That's what made the difference between the Jew and the Gentile that Paul's describing here in Romans chapter 9. See, no one can be saved unless first they recognize themselves as a sinner before a holy God. No one can be saved unless they understand there's nothing that they can do in themselves to save themselves. No one can be saved unless they understand that as a sinner before a holy God who can't save himself, they must turn to Jesus Christ in faith for salvation. The righteousness required for salvation is found in Christ. And faith in Christ means we receive the imputed righteousness of Christ. We're declared righteous. And that only happens through faith. Only as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ can we have the righteousness that God requires. That's why the Jew failed. That's why Israel was rejected. Even though they pursued righteousness, even though they followed after it, even though they, uh, they, were, they ran after it to the point of exhaustion, they didn't attain it because they weren't going about it by faith. This was their big problem. It's what Paul was mentioning in chapter 4 of Romans. It's what was mentioned throughout most of the Old Testament. The problem with Israel was they were trying to achieve righteousness not by faith. And that's why they failed. They failed because they sought righteousness, not by faith. And secondly, Israel was rejected because they sought righteousness by works. Look in verse 32. It says, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. The Gentiles who were saved came to God through faith, 
receiving righteousness by faith. That's verse 30. They did not try to obtain righteousness by works. Here's the contrast. The Gentiles who were saved understood that there was nothing they could do, no work they could perform to obtain righteousness. So by faith they believed in Christ. But the Jew believed they could obtain righteousness by works. They tried to justify themselves before God by performing works according to the law of righteousness. Verse 31. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, as not attained to the law of righteousness. They sought to fulfill the law. The Jew felt that if they could keep the law, they would obtain righteousness. If someone thought that they could attain what was only a gift of God in their own strength, by their own merit. Which, of course, is not possible. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you say through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And here lies Israel's problem. They believed that they could obtain the righteousness of the law, the righteousness which the law required, by works. Now we know the law was given for a purpose. The law was given to demonstrate the righteousness of God. The law was given so that you and I would know the standard of righteousness that God requires for uh, uh, being accepted by him. But we also know the law was given, according to Galatians, to be a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law was never intended to save us, never intended to save the Jew. It was intended to reveal to you and I how great a sinner we are that we might turn to God and be saved. But the Jew misunderstood this. The Jew, in the, for the most part, believed that if they kept the law, they would obtain righteousness. One commentator said this, he said, even though they pursued the law, they couldn't reach the Lord behind the law. And the word attained in verse 31, says, but Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. The word attained means to, means to have arrived. To have arrived. Israel was working hard, but they had not arrived. They didn't arrive at the destination. They failed to reach the legal standard of righteousness that the law required. They were pursuing after it. They were following the law. They were living the law. They were seeking to fulfill the law. But no matter how much they tried, they never arrived at the righteous standard that God required for them to be saved. Galatians chapter 3, please. Galatians chapter 3, because Galatians chapter 3 kind of fills in some of the details for us with regard to this matter of the law. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. For as as many are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. In other words, unless you fulfill all the law, you're cursed. James said the same. If you offend in one part, you offend in all. Okay? He goes on, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident 
for the just shall live by faith. It's evident you can't keep the whole law. You can't be justified by keeping the law because it's not possible to keep the whole law. The just shall live by faith. Verse 12. And the law is not of, and the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, be made a curse for us, for he has written curses everyone that hang on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The law, keeping the law is not possible. Nobody can keep all the law all the time without breaking some component of the law. And to break one part of the law is to break all the law, and therefore everyone who's trying to keep the law is cursed. Because all the Lord does is reveal to us how great a sinner we are. It reveals our sin. It doesn't solve the problem. And this was Israel's problem. They were trying to keep the law, but they could not. The Jews thought they could reach righteousness in their own strength. So much so that they tried to keep the law scrupulously. They offered leaders of animal blood on the altar by way of sacrifice. They followed the dietary laws and whatever else they thought they should do, but they could not arrive at the righteousness of the law. And verse 32 kind of adds this. It says this, but as it were by works of the law. The reason why they could not obtain righteousness because they pursued it not of faith, but as it were by works of the law. Righteousness is never a result of work. Righteousness is always a result of faith. Now the idea that Paul's presenting here goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, which says, and he, that's Abraham, believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. Israel had missed the whole point of Abraham. They believed because they were the seed of Abraham, they were right with God. And by keeping them, because they had the law and they were trying to keep the law, that made them righteous. What they didn't understand is that Abraham was not justified by his works. Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith. Righteousness is never a result of work. But it always comes by faith. God wants more than just ritualistic rule-keeping. Righteousness comes through a right relationship with him by faith. Look in Romans chapter 5, please. Romans 5. Therefore being justified by, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We're justified by faith. The Gentiles obtained God's righteousness by faith. And so the only way for Jew, the Jews to obtain righteousness, a right relationship with God, was also by faith, not by works. That's where they failed. And the only way anyone can be saved is not by works, but by faith. The first reason why Israel was rejected was because they sought righteousness, not by faith. The second was because they sought it by works. The third reason why they rejected is because they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Look in verse 32 and verse 33. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, 
As is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. They stumbled at the stumbling stone. Now Paul has already in the book of Romans spelled out clearly that the only possible way to be saved is through faith. And really what he's doing here in Romans chapter 9, he's now honing in on Israel itself and stating the same things he's been saying throughout the book of Romans, that salvation is by faith, not by works of the law. And also he's been declaring through the book of Romans that salvation comes only through the work of the crucified Savior. Salvation only comes because of what Christ did upon the cross of Calvary. And that explains why most Jews were incensed with Christ. You see, first they didn't want to admit that they were sinners. And secondly, they thought they didn't need to be saved. Everything Christ said offended them because they didn't think they were sinners and they didn't think they needed to be saved. That was the problem. Christ said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. And they thought, well, that's not us, because we're Jews. We're not sinners, and we don't need to be saved. And as a result of that, they stumbled over that stumbling stone. According to verse 32. The stumbling stone was none other than Christ. Look in First Peter, please. First Peter, chapter 2, and verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which are be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made, the head of the corner, and the stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. This is Christ. Verse 5 says, Ye are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer a spiritual sacrifice, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold the lion's eye. It's Christ. He's the stumbling stone. First Corinthians 1.23 says, But we preach Christ crucified, under the Jew a stumbling block, and under the Greeks foolishness. You see, what the Jews were looking for with their Messiah, they were looking for a mighty king. They were looking for a king who would rise up and defeat the Roman Empire. They were looking for their Messiah to come, to ride into Jerusalem, to overthrow the Roman Empire and reestablish the Jewish kingdom. Now it's true that God had promised that very thing. God had promised physical breast in Israel. He'd, promised, he'd made promises to Israel concerning the land and concerning the throne. He had promised that one day, that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would reign upon the throne of Israel. He would sit on the throne of David and he would rule Israel with a rod of iron. That was a promise of God. But that was to be fulfilled and those things will be fulfilled at the second coming of Christ. But that was not the purpose nor the promise of the first coming. He came the first time to purchase mankind's redemption to purchase our salvation, to die upon the cross of Calvary, to shed his precious blood, 
to make an atonement for man's sin, to go before the Lord and to satisfy the righteous demands of a holy God, to propitiate for us, to pay for our redemption, to pay the ransom price required of a holy God, to satisfy God's righteous demands. That's why he came the first time. He will come again and establish the kingdom, but that was not his first purpose. And by the way, when he comes a second time, the only Jews who enjoy that blessing of the kingdom are those who believe by faith. Okay? So even entrance in the, into the kingdom is, uh, in the second coming is by faith, just as much as entrance into the kingdom right now is by faith. But most Jews recoiled from Jesus when he came the first time because he failed to meet their expectations. He failed to meet what they thought the Messiah should be. And they were offended by his claims. Their pride stopped them from seeing their Messiah. The pride in their religion and their religious practices stopped them seeing Christ as their Messiah. Even though their religion portrayed Christ in their very picture, if they'd have looked in the Old Testament, they'd seen the crucified lamb, they'd seen the, the red Isaiah, that had seen how he was going to be bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. They would have seen that the Christ, first of all, has to die in order for them to be saved. But when Christ came, they didn't recognize him for who he was. And this is the reason why Christ is called the stumbling block here, the stumbling stone here in verses 32 and 33. Instead of the source of salvation, Christ was a rock of offense. Look in verse 33. And it's written, Behold, a land Zion, a stumbling stone, and a rock of offense. One commentator says this, While looking for a bold lion, they missed the bleeding lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. It's true, isn't it? They were looking for a bold lion, the lion of Judah. But in looking for him, they missed the bleeding lamb who died for their sin. Even today, mankind today, many people today acknowledge that Jesus Christ is a good teacher. He was a good man. He did some good things, but they want nothing to do with Christ the Savior. They want nothing to do with the fact that he's the only way to the Father. They want nothing to do with the need to be saved they like his example, they like his testimony, they like what he did, but they don't want what he offers because they don't want to acknowledge they're sinners before a holy God. Shortly after Jesus was born, Simeon predicted in Luke 2.34 that Jesus would be a stumbling stone causing people to be separated in two groups, Luke 2.34. Luke 2.34 And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yes, sword shall pierce through thy own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He's going to be 
this child, Jesus Christ, was going to be for the fall and raising again of many in Israel. It was going to divide the nation, divide the people. And this happened time and time again. In Matthew 7, 13, 57, it says, And they were offended in him. Many times when Christ preached and when Christ taught, many were offended at him. Even when he did miracles, the religious leaders were offended at him. He was the stumbling stone. He was the rock of offense. And the reason why they were offended at him was because they did not believe that he was the Messiah because he didn't meet their expectations. One commentator explained it this way, the offense of the cross in which they stumbled is not simply the fact that it is, the, it is a cross, whereas they expected a messiah, messianic throne. The cross offended them because it summoned them to begin their religious life from the very beginning at the foot of the crucified and with the sense upon their hearts of an infinite debt to him which no works could ever repay. The reason why they're offended at the cross is because the cross said to them, you're a sinner. And the debt that you've accrued before a holy God, you cannot pay. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sinner left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. But they didn't believe that. They looked at the cross, and the cross caused them to be offended. Because the cross said something about them that they were not willing to accept. The cross said, you cannot work for salvation. You cannot do enough righteousness to satisfy a holy God. And they hated him for it. And they stumbled at the only means of salvation, at the only means of being declared righteous, of the only means of obtaining the righteousness that God required, they stumbled at him. They were offended by him. That's why they weren't saved. And in verse 33, what the apostle is saying about the Jews is that they're responsible for their present condition. It's their own fault. You can be upset with the Gentiles all you like. The fact that they obtained a righteousness that they weren't seeking after, you can be upset with them as much as you like, but they, you've gone about it the wrong way, and you have also rejected the only means of salvation. They received Christ and were saved. You reject him and wonder why you're lost. You see, they were diligently in their religious and moral works, but they missed the righteousness of God. Isn't that what John 3.18 says? Go back there. John 3.18. It says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The condemnation comes by unbelief. They rejected their Messiah, the very means of salvation. They stumbled at Christ, and therefore they rejected the righteousness of God. The answer for the Jews and the Gentiles alike is Christ. The stone. The stone that the builders rejected is the means of salvation, the only means of salvation. 
For as he says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. He's the only way to obtain the righteousness that God requires. He's the only way to be declared righteous. To the Jew, he was a stumbling stone. But for those of us who are saved, he's the glorious building block of our salvation. To reject Christ is to reject the only means of salvation. And that's where Israel went wrong. First, the first reason why Israel was rejected because they sought righteousness, not by faith. Secondly, because they sought it by works. Thirdly, because they stumbled at that stumbling stone. And lastly, because they did not believe in Christ. Look at the end of verse 33. And whoso believeth on him shall not be ashamed. The chapter ends with a whosoever believeth, a whosoever will. <laughs> Which is one of the great themes of Romans, isn't it? You know, the whosoever will of Romans is just pr profound throughout. It's going to be repeated in chapter 10. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The whosoever. And this is a whosoever salvation. The whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. To be saved. To return the righteousness required for salvation. All must receive Christ by faith and accept his finished work upon the cross of Calvary. That was Israel's problem. They stumbled at Christ and they did not believe. They had not believed in him by faith. They sought righteousness by works. They stumbled at Christ and would not believe. Acts 16.31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Israel and Israel did not believe in Jesus. And that's why they are rejected. It's got nothing to do with the fact that, you know, uh, that uh, uh, God somehow failed Israel. It's got nothing to do with the fact that somehow God is unfair, that God is unjust, that somehow that all that Israel did surely should have been sufficient. Well, no, God has spelled out throughout the Old Testament, he spelled out throughout the book of Romans, that the only means of salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. Whosoever believeth in him, shall not be ashamed. Salvation is by grace through faith. That's why the Jew could go and get their head around. Because they rejected their Messiah, because they saw him as a, a, an, a, an objection, they, they saw him as an offense rather than seeing him as a means of salvation, they were striving in their own effort to attain righteousness that they could not attain. That's why Christ died. And because they would not believe. They were ashamed. We're saved, you see. We must have faith in the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary for us. Nothing we do can save us. Not, none of our works can save us. It doesn't matter how religious we might be. It doesn't matter how righteous we might be. It doesn't matter how many good works we might perform. None of those can save us for all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags according to Isaiah 63. The very best we can do is not good enough for God. This is where there's so many Jew, many of the Jews failed in Paul's day and indeed still today. They set out to establish their own righteousness. 
But what they didn't realize, and what they don't realize, is that their righteousness are nothing but filthy rags. Look in chapter 10, verse 2. He says, For I bear them, this is Israel, because he says in verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God, they had not submitted themselves. They could not attain it. Their righteousness were filthy rags. They were not good enough for God. Israel got caught up in rituals and religion, but they didn't believe. But for those who do believe in him, Romans 9.33 says, Whoso believes in him shall not be ashamed. Now the word ashamed here is an interesting word because it actually can be translated, they shall not be afraid or agitated with fear or fright. Those who believe shall not be afraid. They shall not be agitated. One commentator explained it this way. Those who believe shall not be agitated or thrown into commotion by fear of want or success. Shall not be disappointed in his hopes. And of course, he shall never be ashamed that he became a Christian. Once you're saved, once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is nothing to fear. There's nothing to be agitated about. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be ashamed of. This is a wonderful truth. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and they shall be saved. Whoso believeth shall not be ashamed is a glorious truth. The cross is the unlimited source of salvation, freely offered to all who believe. And for those who believe, there is a peace, there's a confidence, there's a hope. We're not ashamed. But for those who don't believe, they will be ashamed. There is agitation for them. There is fear for them. For there is no hope. There is no prospect of a better tomorrow. There is no prospect of a glorious eternity. For the unsaved, all that awaits them is agitation and fear. Because they did not believe. The only way to be saved is faith in Christ. Worse can never save. Only the grace of God and faith in Christ can save. Now the point is clear. Paul is making here to the Jews who are complaining about the fact that Gentiles have got what they wanted, but they didn't work for it. The point is clear. God has no plan of salvation for any person or any nation that rejects the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. It says, neither is there salvation any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Acts 4.12. There is no other means. There is no other way of salvation. Works will not save you. Religion will not save you. doesn't matter what there is on offer out there. Salvation is only available through Jesus Christ. There is no other means. God has no other plan for salvation for any person or any nation 
that rejects the Lord Jesus Christ, only those who believe in Christ will be, will not be ashamed. Jesus Christ is either a rock of refuge and salvation or a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And I wonder today, are you standing on the rock or are you stumbling over Christ? Are you embracing the Savior? Have you placed your faith and trust in the one who died in your place on Calvary? Because those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will never be put to shame, will never be ashamed. Praise the Lord, salvation is by grace through faith and not of works. I wonder today, do you know the Savior? Are you standing firm upon the rock of salvation? Or are you stumbling at the stone because you failed to believe? Praise God that whoso believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the book of Romans. We thank you, Father, for this summation of what is required for salvation. Lord God, that it's by faith, it's not of works, it's in Christ. And it must be because we believe in the finished work of Christ on Calvary and will not be ashamed. Father, if anybody listening today who doesn't know you as their Savior, may they not stumble at Christ, may they not be offended by Christ, but may they turn to him for salvation today for is the only means of salvation and for those of us who are saved may we realize that father by being in Christ that you and I that we are saved have been declared righteous and therefore we are not ashamed nor will we ever be ashamed because of our relationship to Christ commend your word to our hearts now we pray this day in Jesus name Amen